So often we try to fill emotional gaps in our lives with spending. Usually when people come to me with a spending problem, we find they don't have a spending problem. They have an emotional health and self-care problem. And when we get to that root, spending falls away. Welcome to the Smart Money Mama Show, where moms get real about money to help you find your financial confidence and live your best life. Now let's talk money, mamas. Hey there, mamas. I'm your host, Chelsea Brennan, and today we're talking about emotional spending and my five tips to reduce your emotional and impulse spending. It's no surprise to anyone listening to this podcast that spending and money is emotional and that we all have our own versions of emotional spending. The difficult part comes in in that emotional spending often derails us from our bigger goals and what we really want our money to do for us. It's the expenses that we make that we then regret and we feel bad about, and yet we keep falling back into this cycle, right? And that looks different for everyone. But if you're not familiar, the definition of emotional spending is buying things you don't need as a result of feeling stressed, bored, underappreciated, insecure, really any emotion. That can be emotional spending. And so what we're gonna talk about today is the strategies to understand where your emotional spending is coming from, and actually create plans and systems that help you avoid it long-term, that you're not just doing one fix, that you're really changing the cycle. As a reminder, you can view the full show notes of this episode, along with the summary of our five key tips at smartmoneymamas.com forward slash 51. Let's dive in. The first step I want everyone here to understand is to know the difference between emotional spending and mental health spending. And on the surface, these things are very, very similar, but I wanna draw a distinction because there is mental health spending that really impacts our budget and it does increase our expenses. People who experience depression and anxiety often spend more than people who don't. That's very natural. But I don't want this episode to reflect any shame in that. So emotional spending is often a lot of impulse spending, right? You're in the store, you see a cute sweater or your kid wants a toy and you buy it even though it's not in the budget or someone invites you out to dinner and it's not in your budget, but you feel guilty about saying no to them or you feel weird about talking about money. So you go anyway. Mental health spending is different. And so if you're someone who's ever experienced depression and anxiety, which I am, I know that sometimes I only have so much energy in the day, right? Especially when I'm depressed. And so if my choices for my energy are either to do my work or to make dinner, I'm going to order dinner. And we order dinner far more when I'm feeling in a tough mental health space. And that's okay. So if that's you, I want you to understand what those expenses are for you. What makes your life easier? And what are just the mental health expenses that have built up as a coping mechanism, right? And those are different things too. And so if there are things that make your life easier, if that means ordering dinner, if that means getting help cleaning the house when you're feeling that way, or getting a babysitter once or twice a week so that you can have a little bit of a break, What I want you to do, instead of trying to curb that spending, I want you to plan for it. And anyone who's ever dealt with mental health issues knows that you're not going to need that all the time. But I recommend either having an A and a B budget, an A budget being I'm doing well, things are good, this is my plan and spending, and then a B budget, which is I'm in a little bit of a bad place and I need some more room. Maybe we're going to slow down our savings, our debt payoff a little bit during these times so that I can get a little bit more help. And at least then you feel like you're in control, that you're giving yourself space to get the help that you need. 
And that includes therapy, absolutely, though I think that, that should be a consistent expense, right? That's not shouldn't be in a B budget. Or create a sinking fund category for when you need it. And you can literally name it your mental health fund, right? And put a little bit of money in every month. And when you need those expenses, when you need to order dinner a couple more times than you normally would or get a little bit of help, do that thing. Because I think adding any more shame to mental health struggles, any more guilt about going over the budget, it's really just going to make it harder for you to get into a positive mental space. And this really is different than impulse spending because impulse spending is trying to put a bandaid on something, right? It's I'm trying to fill some hole or void in my life with objects, whereas mental health spending, while it is still more money, is really about using it as a tool, finding a way to kind of move forward. So let's make sure you draw that distinction. And that's going to require, you know, some journaling for you, some reflection, maybe even going back over a couple months of budget. And if you know that there were certain points in those couple months where you were feeling worse than others, look for differences in those spending and try to figure out which of those things were helpful and which of those things, you know, you could kind of get a handle on next time where you're watching it when those negative moments come up. But let's start there. So that's number one. Know the difference between your emotional impulse spending and your true mental health self-care spending. Number two is to identify your emotional spending triggers. There's a million emotions, right? We feel emotions all the time. You know, any of those things could lead to spending. And so for some people, the spending is when they're happy. They get that like, let's celebrate, let's go do something expense. For other people, it's I'm bored and I need something to do right now. So I guess I'll go to the store and shop or it's when they're jealous, right? Their friend gets a new bag or their friend invites them somewhere and they feel like they have to do it too, right? All of these emotions can result in emotional spending. They also can come down to individual moments. And so stress and exhaustion are really huge ones for a lot of people. Maybe it's that when you've had a hard day at work and you drive by Starbucks on the way home, you have to pick up, you know, a venti latte on the way home so that you're in a better headspace when you get in the door and see your kids. And it's hard to notice those things because they've become so embedded in our lives. And we've often been doing them kind of subconsciously for so long. So your second step is to actually take a couple of weeks and journal about your expenses and how they make you feel. And so that can be a daily exercise where at the end of every day you write down each of your expenses and actually put an emotion next to it. How were you feeling when you made that expense? And then how did you feel after you made that expense? right? And so if you were feeling stressed and overworked when you went and got that venti latte, did the latte actually make you feel any better or was it just the thing you automatically do? And if it made you feel better, are there any other ways that you could have felt better, right? Are there other things you could have done? And we're going to talk about that a little bit in the next step, but I want you to get really clear on what those different expenses are. Fast food is a big one, right? Food in general is, is a big comfort thing for many of us, but fast food is a big one for a lot of people of, hey, I eat healthy all the time, but as soon as I get depressed or anxious, I want to go through that drive-thru, right? I want to go get a soda and some carbs and oil and <laughs> crap, right, to fill my belly, and that'll make me feel better. And so it's noticing what those kind of triggers are and being really aware of them. And so maybe, and we're going to talk about how to avoid it in the next step, but maybe you notice that 
you have a lot of emotional spending when you bring your kids to Target with you. If you go to Target on your own, you're fine. You can stick to the list. You can get in and out. But if you go with your kids and they're asking for things, then you feel guilty and you want to make sure that they get that new toy. And so you add those things to the cart. This is really, really unique. Everybody's going to look different, like I said, but I want you to identify your triggers for you. Write them down, have them in black and white, because this is the only way we can start to avoid emotional spending is when we're aware of it. If it's subconscious, forget it. We're never going to be able to figure it out because it's just going to happen in the background. We're going to think, we're going to set the budget, avoiding emotional spending, and then we're going to get to the end of the month or the end of the week and be like, oh my God, what happened? Where did that extra expense come from? So identify your triggers. Make sure you know what you're buying when you feel a certain way and what that feeling is. And I will note, I'm making it sound easy, right? I'm making it sound like you're going to get to the end of the day, you're going to scribble down, you know, Starbucks, way home, overworked and tired. But identifying our emotions is something that we're not super great at. We don't pay a whole lot of attention. Go back and listen to the self-care episode. And so this might take a little bit of practice. It might take some time to see the pattern, which is why I recommend you do it for a few weeks and really commit and say, I'm going to do it for two weeks or I'm going to do it for three weeks. Create a habit with it. You're going to miss some days. You're going to miss some times. And it's really going to be when you see the pattern, when you, when you write down Starbucks for the eighth time that you're like, oh my gosh, I see it now. I was doing the same thing six of those times and now I get it. So real consistency, identify those spending triggers. It won't be automatic. Now, before we move on to tip number three, let's take a quick pause to hear from our amazing partners that help make the Smart Money Mama show possible. Today's podcast is brought to you by Policy Genius, my favorite online marketplace for life insurance, homeowners, and disability insurance. Get multiple quotes from trusted providers in just minutes and complete your application right on the Policy Genius site. Head to policygenius.com forward slash smart money mamas to see if you could be saving money on your premiums today. Welcome back, mama. Now we just went through how to identify our emotional spending triggers. So what do we do next? Well, we learn to reroute our emotional spending triggers and that's step number three. Once we're aware of them, we can start to create the systems to redirect and to do something different and to really put more of our money towards what we need it to do for us. The first thing that's helpful for rerouting our emotional spending triggers is actually go back and listen to the self-care episode, episode 47, I believe it was, and really dive into how do you take care of yourself? How do you make sure you don't get to a place of exhaustion and stress and guilt? Are you making sure that you're getting enough sleep, that you're eating well, that you're giving yourself time for your passions? Because so often our emotional spending triggers, and we'll notice this as we write them down, come from just being worn out, just being completely exhausted, just feeling like we have nothing for ourselves. And so we go and get takeout and we go and we go to the store and buy new shoes, right? Because these things are filling a hole that we're leaving in our lives. So step one for rerouting your triggers is making sure you have a baseline level of self-care. We know that takes practice. We talked about it in, in episode 47, but make sure you have a baseline level of self-care. The second thing that I want you to do is I want you to have a clear list of positive things you can do when you're feeling the feelings that make you want to spend money. Does it help you to go for a walk? Does it help you to read a book or to journal or to take a nap? any of these things, what will help you more in those moments than spending? Because so often those emotional holes we're trying to fill are not filled by stuff. 
We talked in step one about the difference between mental health and impulse spending, and there are times when spending can be used as a tool to help you feel better and give you more space to truly get to a better place. But in most cases, stuff, material things are not going to make you feel more valued. They're not going to make you feel less stressed. So what I want you to do is figure out what those activities are that actually solve the underlying need. Okay. If you're feeling tired, how do you feel less tired? Can you set a bedtime of, okay, every night at 10 PM, Chelsea's getting in bed. Make sure you have those rules in place. Then there's the little tricks. So once you kind of have that baseline level of self-care, you know what makes you feel better and you can keep those things front and center, right? Those list of things that you can experience and make yourself really overcome those emotions, keep them in your phone, keep them easy to scroll through. But after you do that, there are tricks. So trick number one, do not save your credit card on websites. Do not check that box. On Amazon Prime especially, go undelete all your credit card information, right? Do not allow you to hit that buy now button. Make sure you actually have to go through the process of getting up, getting your credit card, entering the number, or if you have it memorized like I do, actually just have to enter the number. That extra step can be enough to remind ourselves and to break the cycle of, oh yeah, I remember now that this is emotional spending that I'm doing and I don't actually want to do it, right? It's that, it's that little change in pattern that lets us notice what's going on. Some other things you can do are to unsubscribe from sales emails from your favorite stores. Unroll Me is a great tool to do that. It'll actually just pull all your subscriptions, your regular subscriptions, and you can get rid of the ones that you don't want really quickly just with checkboxes. That way you're not seeing the sales come into your inbox every day. There's a reason companies do that. It works. So get rid of them. Not Smart Money Mamas, of course because we are sending our newsletter. So make sure you don't accidentally unsubscribe from the Smart Money Mamas newsletter, but unsubscribe from sales emails. Another trick, and I actually really like this trick, is to put a sticky note over the barcode on your credit or debit card. And so when you pull that credit card or debit card out to spend money, you have to stop and you have to peel the sticky note off and hand it to the cashier. And that moment of having to peel the sticky note off, once again, is another one of those checkout moments of, okay, is this actually something that I want to be doing? And every time you peel it off, and you can even write a note on the sticky note, a reminder to yourself. If there's something that, you know, you're really clear that you spend money when you're feeling jealous, put a quote on that sticky note about something else that you could be doing or a reminder or a, a note that just says, are you jealous right now? <laughs> and when you see it, it, it'll hopefully let you pause. And then the last thing I want to say is implement the 24-hour rule. And so the 24-hour rule is really helpful for impulse spending. And when you feel like, oh my gosh, I need this right now or my life is going to end, right? Um, not that your life is actually going to end, but you know that feeling that I'm coming up with, right? Of like, oh my gosh, I really, really need this. Give yourself 24 hours. And the case is twofold. One, you're probably going to forget about it in 24 hours unless it really matters to you. So 24 hours is great. Two, if you hit the add to cart button and leave it there for 24 hours, you might actually get a discount because that's actually a service in most online stores now is that you'll get a kind of a 20% discount or whatever on your item. So if it is something you do need, you might get it cheaper. And then the third thing is sometimes these impulse spendings come around sales. Actually, very often they come around sales. And we think like, oh my gosh, we're going to miss this opportunity for the buy one, get one, or we're going to miss this opportunity for 20% off. And the 24-hour rule is helpful because if you really needed that object, like your life would be different if you didn't buy that thing, you would still need that thing at 20% more expensive or full price. 
chances are the sale won't end in 24 hours. But if it does, and that thing is still just as important to you, it'll still be just as important for an extra few bucks. And so those sales are really there to, I hate this word, but they're really there to manipulate us a little bit, right? And to make us have this FOMO feeling. And so the 24-hour rule gives us a little space. It lets us step back from the things that we might want to buy and make a choice about it. The one comment I want to make on the 24-hour rule is that sometimes I hear this rule talked about in a frame of, any expense over $100, I'm going to implement the 24-hour rule. Or any expense over $300, I'm going to implement the 24-hour rule. I would implement the 24-hour rule overall because spending can be death by a thousand cuts, right? We were like, oh, it's just $5. Oh, it's just $10. Oh, it's just $20. But when we do that over and over and over again, it adds up. And so we feel like it's a minor thing. And even when we go back through our budget, sometimes I've worked with people where we're going line item, line item through their budget. And they just want to talk about the big expenses. They're like, oh, wow, yeah, I spent 50 bucks at Amazon without realizing. And we have to stop. And I say, okay, but you're not actually going line item by light item. You just skipped a $3 expense, a $5 expense, a $9 expense, a $10 expense, which actually added up, you know, when we add all these up to more than that $50. And so implement the 24-hour rule, I would say overall, if you're someone that struggles with true impulse spending. But when we think about rerouting, I really want to go back to that first tip, which is having a clear list of positive things you can do to fill the emotional holes that you're currently filling with spending. That's the big problem here. The big problem is that we're not taking care of ourselves, that we're not taking care of our own emotions and mental health, and we're trying to fill a gap with spending. And so have a sense of the actions you can take, the moments. And for some people, guys, this is as simple as listening to a really good song. Like you have a song that always makes you like peppy and upbeat and happy or a song that makes you feel heard, right? The lyrics really reflect your life. Sometimes it's as simple as that of pulling open Spotify and listening to a song for a minute and that'll soothe you. So start to practice, try little different things that change your pattern and see how they make you feel until you get to the right place. And then you can kind of build a habit around those rerouting triggers that work for you. Once we have those reroutes in place, I want to talk about the fourth step, which is setting a budget for your impulse spending. Because no matter how good you get at identifying your triggers and rerouting them, there's going to be times when impulse spending pops up. And impulse spending can be as small as, hey, it's a gorgeous day and we want to go to the beach and we want a little bit of money for, you know, an ice cream with the kids at the beach, right? That's an impulse expense. It's not something that we thought about necessarily. So I would have a line item in your budget that says impulse spending and decide how much you're comfortable putting in. And maybe in your house, you know, my husband and I each have separate spending money accounts. And so for us, those impulse spending would come out of our personal accounts. But I actually will go through my personal spending money and break it out mentally for me of, okay, which of these were actual expenses. So like getting my hair cut is something that I budget out of my spending money. So maybe you set an impulse spending budget within your spending money, however you want to figure it out. But have a way to allow for some space for that because there are going to be these expenses and I want them to not be a stress and a drain on you, but I also want you to be able to keep an eye on how much of that spending you're doing because so many of us underestimate how much of that spending there is until we have to look at it. So set a line item, make a little bit of space for it, and then don't feel guilt about it. You, you plan for it. That's okay if this is an expense that, you know, is going to put a smile on your face. Sometimes those little expenses, they can put a smile on your face and that can change a bad day into a good day. So have a budget for it. The fifth step 
that I really want, this is our last step, I really want you to think carefully about is how you can keep your goals and values front and center. A ton of emotional spending comes from guilt or jealousy. It actually doesn't have anything to do with lack in our own lives. It has to do with our relationship with other people and money and how we feel like the world expects us to spend our money. We're not a good mom if we don't buy these things for our kids. We're not being a good daughter or daughter-in-law if we're not traveling to see our in-laws or getting them a really good gift or whatever it is, right? We have all these ties about money and that pull us away from what really matters to us because we don't want to say to people, I can't do that because it's not in my spending plan, because it's not in my budget, or we're choosing to spend our money differently so we can't go out to that fancy dinner. That's an uncomfortable conversation until you're really confident in your own money goals and your own money values. And so try not to let other people impact your choices with money. One of the number one things I'd say here is go back to your family money values. You know, we we talked about that. We have the family money values template. We'll put it in the show notes. But have a really clear picture of how your family wants to handle money, what your goals are, and the life you're trying to build with your money, and make sure that you're seeing it on a regular basis. It could be putting it on the background of your phone. It could be talking about it in your family meeting every week of, hey, let's go through what our goals are and our values are. Make sure it's something that's consistently, consistently in your mind so that when emotional or impulsive spending comes up for you, you can think about how does this fit in my life? Is this worth delaying my goals? Is this something that actually makes me happier, actually gets me closer to the emotions I want to feel, to the life I want to live? And if not, I'm going to say no. And this is practice. Like I said, in step four, there's going to be moments where these expenses happen. There's going to be impulse spending It's part of your life on some level, but to cut it back, we have to get really, really clear on your goals and values. I think you can do that. You're amazing. Now, before we wrap up, I want to recap and go through all five of these steps because they're really, really tied together. Okay. Are you ready? The first is to understand the difference between emotional spending and mental health spending. Make sure you have a budget for mental health spending and don't feel any shame about needing to spend a little bit extra money when you're feeling depressed or anxious or unhealthy and you really need some space to heal and take care of yourself. That's different than emotional spending. Two, identify your emotional spending triggers. What makes you spend money? What hole are you trying to fill? Know the answer to those questions. Three, Learn to reroute your emotional spending triggers. What can you do differently? What roadblocks can you put up? What activities can you do instead to reroute that spending and break that habit and that pattern? Four, set a budget for your impulse spending. Make sure you have a little bit of room to make mistakes, for lack of a better word, have some space. And then the fifth one is keeping your goals and values front and center. You know who you want to be, what you want your life to look like, what you want your family's life to look like. So keep that clear. Keep that a focus for you. You've got this, mama. Thank you so much for joining me today to talk about emotional spending and how we can get more control over our budgets so more of our money can go towards things that truly matter to us. As a reminder, you can view the full show notes of this episode at smartmoneymamas.com forward slash 51. Keep talking money, mama. I'll see you next time.